He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome back to the Anthony Irwin Show. I am Anthony Irwin. I am joined today by somebody who used to be on this podcast feed, now covering the Philadelphia 76ers, has, has had to deal with this Ben Simmons thing and ingratiate himself into a whole new listening base and everything. Um, and then also deal with, again, the frustrations of the, the, the Ben Simmons situation, and yet probably came out way ahead because he hasn't had to pay attention to this Lakers season. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz Kang, how you doing, bud? It's been way too long since we spoke. It has. We used to do this regularly, what, once every week? Or yeah. Two we at used the minimum. To... We used to do it all the time throughout, and we were doing them during when they won the championship in the bubble. But I'm glad I still see all your guys' tweets, and I, I see all the disappointment, and everybody knew that Russell Westbrook was going to be a train wreck as soon as they made that, that deal. Yep. So here we are now, and I'm not surprised <laughs> by it. So, again, but the Lakers – are like this dramaful team on the West Coast, and I'm covering the Sixers now, who are this dramaful team on the East Coast. So not bad for me in that way either. I can't complain. Yeah, we, we just can't have normal things. Like we no. just, <laughs> but it makes for more fun all the same. Uh, like I said, he's running Liberty Ballers and their podcast network over there. I'm doing a fantastic job over there as well. And and look, you're doing the Daily Show now as well, and and. I would imagine, could, do you just like, do you just copy and paste? Like, is it just like, because the Ben Simmons thing, it's every, it's every day. Uh, yeah. The, the, the Sixers haven't traded Ben Simmons yet. Like that would be my, my, my one segment has Ben Simmons been traded yet. No. All right. Moving on to, <laughs> I could just do 14 second shows and that's it. That's the answer right there. Because it's, it's funny. You know, the funny part is like, it's almost like this whole thing has been like being in a bad relationship, which it has been for the Sixers, let's be honest. Since, <laughs> yeah, since June. But absolutely. You're waking up hoping things will change, and you're still seeing the same person laying next to you every morning, and you realize, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out of this. So I'm hoping they do. Like, if they don't trade him on February 10th, which, again, the report's coming out this morning, uh, you know, it's a Monday morning, or basically that they're going to hang on to James Harden, and <laughs> that's the guy they're looking for. So if that's the case, I just don't want to hear anything about Ben Simmons after February the 11th. Let's not talk about it. Focus on basketball and see where Joel Embiid can take the squad. Yeah, it kind of feels like they just have to, if they don't trade him, and if the intent is to, you know, eventually trade him in the offseason, just send him away. Just stop yeah. with the whole, will he show up? We hope that he shows up. All this stuff, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's, like, for financial reasons that they're hoping that he comes back or or, or that they can't just outright send him away or whatever. Um, I, but, but regardless, it just doesn't seem like we talk about all the time, how untenable the situation is with the Lakers and Frank Vogel, right. And how will they fire him? Won't they fire him? Are like, <laughs> will it take they one loss? Have, they were will supposed to fire Frank Vogel two years ago. Remember before <laughs> the, the bubble, they were, they were supposed to fire him then. So it's, he's been listening to the same thing now for going on three years. They were ready to fire him. They weren't ready to hire him in the first place. Like, <laughs> no, that's right. He was like fourth on the list. Right. So. <laughs> I think you and I were candidates before Frank. And then, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have they, bet Westbrook about uh, 20 games ago, though. So that would have been the difference. Between yeah. Frank. <laughs> I don't have as good a poker face. I don't think as Frank does, but, um, but with the Simmons thing, the one thing that I kind of find interesting here is Embiid. Like 
we've seen with Anthony Davis, you know, he played incredible basketball in the bubble. And again, like some circumstantial stuff coming back on that short of an off season and then having another short off season and then bulking up to try to play a position that he isn't all that interested in. Um, but we have still seen a decline from the bubble to here. And, and with big man, you just never really know. And like, my question is for, for like, with you paying attention here to the Sixers, like that has to be the desperation that fans are clinging to, right? Like, it's not just that you have some point guard who is playing out of his mind or some wing who is playing out of his mind, who you can see like, yeah, there's longevity involved there. But when, with it being Embiid in particular, is that like, is how, how big a part of that is your coverage? Well, it's it's huge. I mean, and the guy has been unreal. You know what I mean? He leads the NBA in scoring yeah. over the past, you know, five weeks, averaging, I think, 33.8 points per game. He has scored 30 at least in, in 13 of the last 14. But I think that's where the the issue is. And Shams and Sam Amick wrote about it in The Athletic on uh, this morning, Monday morning, that you're looking at this and thinking, are we wasting a year of this guy's prime? He's turning 28 in March. And looking at, at what the Sixers are doing right now, and I get it. You're looking at this like, okay, we're going to have another maybe three or four prime years of Joel. Uh, let's try and not, you know, maybe look at the – punt the bigger picture in terms of what we need right now. But the issue is, like, I was reading that too. They're like, we could get Tyrese Halliburton and a couple of, you know, first-round picks uh, from, from, the, from the Kings. It's like, okay, well, if you do that, you're not only helping the team this year, but you also have some more yeah. ammo. You can make a deal in, in the offseason. And I think that's where some of the fans are looking at. I think Joel Embiid – Alone, I think the Sixers, their cap right now is a second-round team, just with the mm-hmm. roster as is. But that's where people are, and people love him. You know, the Philly fans love Embiid. He embraces the city, embraces what comes with playing there. But the issue has been, okay, this guy's playing at such a high level, and he's almost like the, the Nuggets without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. You know what I mean? You're just stuck with – you got Joker, Joker, and and that's it. And I think that's where the people are getting frustrated with, you know, you're really going to want to waste a year. And where, to me, I'm looking – I don't know how you feel about it, Anthony, but – I think the NBA is wide open this year. Like, you know, we were five weeks ago, we were saying the Warriors are the team to beat. They're, they're, you know, kicking everybody's butt. And now it's like, okay, you got Phoenix there. The Warriors are still a part of the conversation, Memphis, Utah. And then in the East, I, I'm not really scared of the Bulls. You know, I, you, they're obviously dealing with Caruso and, and Lonzo Ball being out. But which team there in Brooklyn situation has been, a, you know, a lot of ups and downs with Kevin Durant now injured. We don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen with Kyrie on the, on the vaccine front, how that's going to impact the playoffs. So, there's so many little things here. And I feel like in the NBA, you don't want to waste a year of contending. You know what I mean? And I just think that right now, if he can make a move that helps in the short and long run, kind of kills two birds with one stone, as cliche as that is, I think that's what Maury should be looking at doing. Yeah, that's the that, that that's the other part. That was actually going to be my next question is, the East is wide freaking open. Like, no matter how you feel about Phoenix and how you feel about Golden State and what, who might be coming out of the West – Durant is going to miss a month plus here with a, with a knee injury. Uh, like you mentioned with Kyrie, like who the hell knows if, <laughs> what the hell is going to go on over there. Um, and then, you know, from there, like Boston isn't any good this year. And, and, uh, and I'm Milwaukee... sure that bothers you, right, Anthony? That Boston oh, yeah. You know, I'm just so torn up about it. <laughs> yeah. it it's, you know, my heart breaks for, for all of those people out there. And then, um, and then, you know, Milwaukee hasn't had Brooke Lopez all year. It's a wide open East. That's a that's a that's a path to the finals if you make the right right move here. And I like the the part that I guess kind of annoys me from a basketball standpoint too is like we don't get many of these kinds of seasons from centers nowadays. I, I'm fascinated with the idea of could we have a throwback 
Joel Embiid being a dominant big man, you know, being injecting himself into that kind of pantheon of big men, that doesn't happen very often. We haven't seen that basically since like LeBron started winning championships. Um, and then it's been like wing after wing after wing after wing being the driving force. We get to potentially see that if they make the right move here. And and it's just like, no, we'll just hold off. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I know Philly fans are just, you know, incredibly patient as as a culture and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally understanding on, on, on how all of these things go. How has how has your your interactions with fans been taking both of these into account? Right. Both the fact that it's Joel Embiid and he isn't the, the picture of longevity. And then on top of that, this is a potential championship. First one since like the seventies, I think. Right. And, 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 uh, well, 80, 83, right. 83. There's a lot 83. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, the, uh, like this is a fan base starved for that kind of greatness from this franchise in particular. And, uh, they, they're just being told now, nah, hold on. We promise maybe James Harden, who, by the way, like not exactly somebody who I would want to gamble on either. Uh, that guy's going to come and solve everything. Like I, they have to be pulling their hair out of their head. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, we're, we, you know, it's our job, unfortunately that we, this is the major news is Ben Simmons and then whatever. Yeah. And so you'll see the comments on the site, like, all right, we don't want to hear about this anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Or our Except podcast. you do. Oh, like, you do. Yeah. That's why we're coming <laughs> you never back say you do. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's exactly <laughs> it. And, and I think when you look at, like I've had, whenever we talk about Ben Simmons, those are our most downloaded podcasts on the network. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter what it is when the news comes out. And I think it's been, I think people are frustrated because we are seeing greatness from Joel Embiid. Like this is not the same guy that we saw two years ago. He's uh, changed so much about his game. He's a, he's a two-way force defensively. He's awesome. Mm -hmm. and, and if you look at what he does, uh, rebound in the basketball, setting the, like, setting the tone on the offensive end, everything runs through him. And it's almost like it's, it's a shame we're watching this squad operate. And they're still you know, pretty damn good at what, 27 and 19. Like you mm -hmm. know, they're, they're playing well. Uh, three and eight without him in the in the lineup this season, so that shows how important he is. But looking at watching the Sixers play, the games that they're bad in, like when they blew that lead against the Clippers, it's the offensive end. It's always the offensive end because mm. once teams start keying on on Joel and they're sending doubles right away, if Seth Curry's not hitting his shots, Tobias Harris has struggled mightily shooting the ball. Yeah. Still, still below thirty percent from from deep. So you're looking at these guys, and that's where the Sixers are having trouble now. If you can get them. Maybe another playmaker alongside Tyrese Maxey, another couple of shooters. If uh, if somebody like uh, Halliburton and, and Buddy Heal, that's a package you can look at for this season alone. I think it elevates the Sixers' ceiling. I don't know if that makes them a like a hundred percent like wow they're going to be in the running in the Final Four for a championship, but it's going to make them better than what they are now. And I, I think that's where people are looking at this with Joel, with the, the situation with Ben Simmons is why are we not at least trying to maximize this year? And like you said, Anthony. Because I'm with you on that. The NBA, just like, it's not the years from 15 to 18 where like, well, it's going to be the Warriors and Cavs in, in the final again. Yeah. It's like right now, it's just, it's nobody knows anybody who's win. Yeah. Anybody can win it. Except and the Lakers. The right move, except the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. There's quite a few teams that fall in that, in that bit. Surprising to see a LeBron squad yeah. in that, uh, in that pile as well. But I just think if you have a guy who's capable of winning you two series on his own just by dominating, You've got to give him a shot to at least win that third one to get to the finals. And I think that's where the Daryl Morey thing, while I agree with being patient, you also don't want to be too patient because perfect is, is the enemy of good. Yeah. The other, like, why James, like, are we sure James Harden is the guy that you want to tank in Embiid season four? Like, it, the chance at James Harden, that's 
that's what you're going to hold on to here? Like how much of that is just like the Houston dynamic that they had out there and, and, and the familiarity there. But like from your perspective, that, that, that would freak me out. Like, all right, we're, we're going to, we're going to just punt this season potentially with the chance at this guy. And he has, he hasn't looked like a good version of James Harden consistently since he basically got to Brooklyn. Um, that would make me a little nervous. Oh, I'm with you. I mean, and I think that's where looking at what has to happen in order for them to just, you know, maybe even have a sniff at James Harden. Well, you got to look at this and say, okay, the Nets have to completely crumble in the playoffs with KD, with mm-hmm. Harden, with Kyrie, assuming he gets to play if if things are better on the pandemic front come time for April, May when the playoffs start. You're hoping for the Nets to have a major collapse. Then he wants to leave Brooklyn, even though he hasn't said that that's going to be the case. Keith Pompey of the Inquirer saying basically the sentiment around the league is that Harden ends up with the Sixers again, but you have to clear out about $60 million yeah. to get him. And so there's so many little things. And, and if you remember, Anthony, leading up to the beginning of the season, it was Damian Lillard. That's the guy that the Sixers are focused on. They're going to get Dame out of out of Portland. You know, the Trailblazers suck too. They're right in Lakerland right now in the playing fringe playing team. And so that never materialized. Now Lillard's like, well, I'm hanging around here. Bradley Beal is going to have to be a sign and trade. You're going to have to work that around because he's not hasn't signed that extension in Washington. So it's like these guys that we heard were going to be the targets leading up to even like November, December. That never materialized. So who's to say this isn't? And then if you end up with another package in in the offseason where the best you're getting is maybe two or three first round picks, a, a pick swap or two, and a young guy like Halliburton, what was the point? You may as well have made the deal in February if you're going to end and try and maximize your your team's kind of ceiling going into the playoffs rather than kind of punting the year like you're saying and then hoping that things turn out for Harden because again how is he going to fit with with MB you know he's a ball dominant guy he needs the ball in his hand to be most effective obviously not great defensively not great defensively they're going to lose you know and if, if they include 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 part of me Matisse Thibel in that that kills your defensively too a little bit because the Sixers yep. aren't as good as they were with with Ben Simmons in the lineup so there's so many like underlying factors to all this all I know is when February 11th hits the first thing I'm going to do at midnight, I'm going to crack a beer, enjoy the thing, and just hope I never have to talk about Ben Simmons again. That's what <laughs> for I'm at least for. a few months. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have a way stiffer drink than a beer. It would be, oh, yeah. <laughs> it'd be like you know, I, I'd chug some uh, rubbing alcohol. Like it would just. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might, uh, but, the, it might get rid of the virus, right? If you have COVID, don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, then, I, look, you're talking about win now moves. Just get what you can, just in case you know it's just figure i'd throw this out there the money here matches between russ Taylor horton tucker and kendrick nunn you send out simmons and you send out tobias harris maybe the lakers send their 2027 first also we're good here right (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine after everything that's a trade that maury pulls off Uh, westbrook and twitter would end that would be it I think Philly fans would be throwing crap at Westbrook within five games if he plays the way he has with, with LA and he got there. They would not be. I mean, can you, my thing is the, the Westbrook, the Westbrook thing. And obviously Anthony, I mean, you, you've covered the team way more, yeah. more, way more than I do, but you're looking at this, like, why did they even think this would work? I think everybody could have told you, even a casual, like my 14 year old cousin who just started watching NBA two years ago would have told you, this is a bad trade. Why are you making it? Well, they, I mean, Look, there's two there's two lines of thought. It's basically you have LeBron and uh, he is a superstar. And I think superstars in the NBA value superstar talent over everything else in the NBA. 
And if the two trades that were on the table were for Buddy Heald and for Russell Westbrook, a superstar is always going to say, oh, go give me the talent, the more talented guy. Go give me that guy. And I think that's kind of how that played out. And the other one, too, is like, he sells a shit ton of merchandise. And the Lakers were, were, were really hurting coming off of COVID and stuff. We've seen the impact that COVID had on their, on their uh, financial planning and what they were willing to and not willing to do uh, personnel-wise. So, like, I'm sure Jeannie wasn't upset at the fact that they were bringing home the homegrown Westbrook, the, the the lifelong Laker fan, and all the jerseys that they might sell that way as well. So I, I, it's more the basketball thing by a lot. Uh, it's just I don't know. Like you're saying, I don't know how anybody could have looked at at like what LeBron needs and the kind of players who have been successful next to LeBron and especially next to LeBron and AD and thought like, yeah, Russ is Russ can be a version of that. That's just not. That's that was never going to be the case. Yeah, uh, like that, and that well, that was the case when we were when we were you know, when I was in the podcast with, with the silver spoon and roll feed is something we discussed often, you know, leading up to even the bubble season is, is what the hell is Rob Polinka thinking sometimes with this roster construction? And it's like, he got it right that one time. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that Frank Vogel looking back at that time when they were in the bubble in Orlando, they got it right in the sense that he had flexibility and he had yeah. a depth, you know, like I can, I can go seven, eight, nine deep and change my, change my lineup, change my game plan around who the opponent is. And now you're just kind of stuck with, well, and I, I think obviously I think AD wasn't playing up to his level. Hopefully that changes when he's back for the Lakers sake. But if I'm looking at it, like, I'm like, this has been a weird experiment that netted one title. And I don't know if that's going to, I think this might be the end of the line, depending yeah. on what we're going to see over the next year or two here. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It would take a, a pretty like incredible return on Russ this off season to, to get the Lakers either either Russ would have to completely rethink the way that he plays basketball or the Lakers would have to get back something crazy for him uh, that, you know, helps on the wing or something like that. Um, and then also maybe allows them to maybe go out and get somebody else. Cause I still, I still think there are a couple, like it's, it's look, Anthony Davis has been hurt for a while and, and uh, it's hard to uh, analyze this team because of that, but they have had games where, you know, they lost by 37 to the Denver Nuggets and you're watching that game and the Nuggets, by the way, have been ravaged by injuries. They, they, they are, they aren't a hundred percent either. And you're watching that and you're like, Anthony Davis doesn't fix this, you know, and, and even Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook playing some version that, that maybe matches what you need from that position that doesn't even necessarily fix this. They hoped that Trevor Ariza was going to be this like savior and that, uh, he would dial it back to 2013, I guess it was, <laughs> whenever. And 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 yet, uh, you know, it, it it didn't pan out that way. So, yeah, or no, it was 2009. It was 13 years ago. 2009 would have been the 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 yeah. good Trevor Reza Lakers year. And 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 yeah, like that's just it's just that's where they at. Both these franchises, honestly, they they are very far apart in terms of how they got here. But I think they're both kind of sitting here saying like. All right, how the hell do we get out of this mess? Because, like, I thought the most telling quote for, that Maury gave the other day was when he said, "I don't know how we arrived here," and I was like, "Have you been paying attention? <laughs> like, <laughs> how do? You, what do you mean you don't know? Like, he 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 had his bluff called while he was calling somebody else's bluff. It just so turns out that like Simmons' bluff uh, is a lot more sustainable than than Maury's as it sits right now." Um, is there any pressure like like on Maury's job that you get the sense of? 
No, I, I think the ownership is is firmly behind him. I think they're mm-hmm. completely okay with with the brass being patient, which they have been. And you know, I was in Philly for for training camp, and Maury and Doc Rivers sat up there, and they kind of and it was the same messaging throughout the the week leading up to it. You talk to all the players; everybody was asked about Ben Simmons, whether it was Joel Embiid or the fifteenth guy on the roster. Um, the same answer was, "Well, we're going to go with what we have, and we're not going to be pressured into making a deal." And mm-hmm. I think ownership has kind of stood by them. I think where he said that, I don't know how we got here. Well, look back at some of the things that happened after that game seven <laughs> loss. You know, the way uh, yeah, Doc Rivers didn't exactly give his starting point guard a former number number one overall pick a ringing endorsement. Not yeah. to say that he should have he should have you know been like, hey, uh, Ben Simmons played great, and we just know I mean, yeah. Ben Simmons didn't play well. But mm-hmm. there's a way to handle it, and I think he was he was hurt by by that obviously hurt by being the scapegoat, even though he was deserved criticism because he was terrible and didn't even want to attempt a shot. By the way, that boys in the hood video, I don't know if you saw that with, with Ben Simmons on Twitter <laughs> was hysterically funny. Um, but looking at, looking at this, I don't think there's any pressure on him from management or from ownership to make a move. I think they know the, the circumstances that the franchise is in that, you know, and I do agree with one thing on the patient approach that if they get this right, and they can, whether it's Harden or not, again, I don't know how the fit would be, but if it's a Harden, Lillard, Bradley Beal type guy who will give them that perimeter score that they've been lacking really since Jimmy Butler left, uh, I think it, it'll bode well for the future of the, of the team, not only mm-hmm. for like this year, but you're looking at three, four years down the line, that'll give him a shot to win that elusive title. But if he ends up kind of, you know, playing himself out of this, like I said, by maybe not taking a, a package where it's a John Collins and multiple first round picks from, from Atlanta, that they can look to repackage in, in the in the summertime. If that's the same type of offer you're getting in in, in June or July, you probably lost on, on being this patient. So again, there's so much time for this to play out. Uh, I just think that he's not he's not going to be in a situation that he's, he screws this up. He's going to lose his job, or you know he's got to make a deal now. I think they're going to be patient, but definitely you know going into next year, yeah, Ben Simmons won't be on the on the Sixers roster. It just depends on what the return is going to be, and I think that's the part that people are kind of collectively holding their breath, waiting to see what happens with that. I was really hoping to hear that Maury was under some duress for his job because that's how a Russell Westbrook trade happens. Yeah. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> no, I don't think he would do that. They could tell him he's getting fired tomorrow. He's still ain't making that deal. Okay. I don't think anybody's going to go with Russell Westbrook at this point, given what we see in this season. It, it was funny. <laughs> I, I had uh, Jake Fisher, who's going to be doing your show here in the next few days too. Uh, Fisher came on and said like the, that the, uh, the Sixers have a, a list of like 30 players that – they would trade Ben Simmons for. And I was like, his can maybe rest be 31. <laughs> and then Maury, Maury goes, Maury says like, yeah, all right, we've, we've lowered the list or we've extended the list to 40. And I'm like, shit, maybe he's 41. Maybe the next, next six. He's not even 101 at this point. Anthony, so I think, I think, that, I think the Sixers are okay on that front. There's no way. I mean, even Tobias Harris, he's a nice player. Yeah, overpaid. And again, in his situation, I've said this before, if Vox Media came to me and said, hey, we'll give you a million dollars to do the podcast, I'm going to take it, whether I'm bringing yeah. that to right. the table or not, that value. So I don't blame him for that. Um, but even if you can get rid of his contract and you're attaching a first-round pick from five years from now that the Lakers, the first one they could really trade, there's no way that, that, that Russell Westbrook <laughs> has ended up in a Sixer uniform. Okay, no chance. <laughs> Um, my last question here, because we, we, we have a couple things that we have to get to here. So one, uh, the question I'm about to ask, and then um, I'm, I'm getting you prepared in advance for it, but I end the show every week with uh, a guest's most embarrassing sports moment. So you can let that kind of okay. rattle around in your brain a little bit. Um, but 
the, my last question is for you, like personally, the way that you're handling this, you know, um, grew up, you, you are a West coast guy, uh, Niners fan, um, Lakers fan also. And, and, and like with your ability or, or your, I guess, opportunity to analyze this situation without like without, without the lens of fandom, um, how are you handling that? And like trying to talk to Sixers fans about, Hey, like, this is what the league is kind of saying. This is kind of where we're at. How are you finding the balance of like, you know, the unbiased nature of your, of your analysis in this case, and then also trying to relay that to a fan base that like, yeah, they see shit differently than the way you and I do. Well, I think, you know, for me growing up, like I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. And so I uh, got into media much later in my life after working office jobs and realizing, yeah, there's no way I'm doing this for 40 <laughs> Same years. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, way, no chance <laughs> of doing that. So I ended up working uh, for one of the bigger radio stations back home, went into, started off doing traffic, which is like training wheels. You know what I mean? Like you're mm -hmm. learning how to do on your traffic reports. And then I got into sports and I was covering the Vancouver Canucks, who are our hometown team. I love the team, but mm -hmm. I now I have to be objective when I'm there. I can't be talking about what mm -hmm. I'm going to say. So I think that experience kind of helped me. And I've worked a bunch of different jobs where, you know, I covered USC for uh, for USA Today for a bit prior to joining SB Nation on a full-time basis. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing that stuff, it's like, look, my job, I feel like, is to give you the facts. I'll yeah. give you my opinion on it when, when needed. But other than that, this is what I'm seeing, and, and this is how I'm going to handle it. So for me, it hasn't been too hard of a transition. I think learning a bit more about the Eastern Conference was a challenge mm -hmm. in the beginning because I, I, am, I have been a West Coast guy my whole life. And so, I've, you know, you pay attention to, you know, the rivalries between Utah and Denver and, you know, teams that, yeah. other, you know, in the East, I, you obviously know the Celtics and, and the Sixers, Sixers and the Knicks, like the big ones, but I don't really know much. Of, I didn't know much about the deep rooted history of that. So that was kind of a challenge, but yeah. overall, I mean, I think my, my thing is I just try and be level-headed and, and reasonable with my, with my takes. And, well, that's not what fans are though. Yeah, no, no, so. no, no. So I'm trying to just be the voice of reason and stay down the middle and let people know this is what happened in the game. This is what's going on. And this is maybe how they can handle it. And to try and let other people kind of make their own opinions and, and decipher what I, the information I can give them in any way that they want to. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, I'm, I'm almost jealous to a certain extent sometimes. Cause like, like, yeah, you have the drag of this just circuitous uh, uh, news cycle of will Ben Simmons get traded? No, it looks like it not. Oh, hey, somebody else is interested. But Daryl Morey is asking for 73 first rounders. I don't think they're <laughs> yeah. going to get them. And, and, and like, you know, dealing with that would be tough. But then also it's just like, yeah, but you still do get to watch one of the league's best teams. Like they have been a really good basketball team despite everything that's going on. Um, and, and, you know, meanwhile, I'm stuck here watching, you know, waiting for Austin Reeves minutes and, I, and I'm waiting for Malik Monk's minutes. And <laughs> so Trevor it could Reeves be worse. Be a savior. Yeah. It could be a lot, it could be a lot worse <laughs> if I was in that situation. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and send you off here with, uh, you know, as you know, the whole reason for this, uh, segment is because Harrison just refuses to stop sending out the clip of me missing the layup in yeah. Las Vegas. Um, and I'm trying to even out the amount of embarrassment out there between me and the rest of the internet. So, uh, do you have a, a most embarrassing sports moment from, from whenever? Well, you're going to have a tough time downplaying the embarrassment of having that and awful layup and that. No, yeah, step. it's not like, happening. Yeah. I, I got to try. It's <laughs> like a Car Caribbean step. It doesn't even count as a, as a Euro step, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would honestly say, I don't know if it's embarrassing as much as it was heartbreaking. I played college <laughs> basketball uh we were in the playoffs we, we you know we were playing well everybody was was good we were one of the best teams in the country 
back and forth game. Uh, you know, I made a couple of nice plays, thumped my chest around, was, was talking smack because that's the way I love playing. Yeah. And got fouled. We were up by one with 12 seconds left. I got intentionally oh, fouled. No. Missed both free throws oh. after talking all game. And oh, then they no. ended up hitting the game winner with one second left to, to, to beat us and in, uh, in that and eliminate us from the game. And then one of the guys on the other team looked at me and just gave me a point and was laughing. And I was just like, yeah, this hurts. This, it was it was embarrassing and it actually hurt inside. Probably took yeah. me like four years of, of serious self-reflection to get over the fact that I wasn't clutch in that situation. But that's probably my story. That That is the worst uh, sports experience I've had. Has that has that impacted like your analysis where you where you're like reluctant to call people clutch or not clutch? Like is well, that I, mean, I was a 19 year old kid. I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna be hard on myself. It's like I'm living, living from Canada. I find it crazy to like I you know I was covering high school football for a bit when I first moved here. Yeah, and there's like four thousand people in this, and you take the guy's sixteen years old. What are you yelling at him like that for? You know what I mean? So uh, no, I, I don't feel any embarrassment for it. It happened almost 20 years ago yeah. now. I was a kid. Uh, I learned a lot. And again, my job is just to give, I feel like my job is to give an objective analysis of what I'm seeing. So that's what I try and do. If anybody <laughs> wants to call me not clutch because of it, there is no DVD. That's what we used to use back then. There was no evidence of it. So I'm, I'm okay with it. See, I'm glad that you, that was your response because that would have meant that I wouldn't be able to make fun of Russell Westbrook for missing layups anymore. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? I just, I just got to call it like I call it, you know, <laughs> if yeah. he misses a layup, he misses a layup just like I did. You know? no, so what if you're too uncoordinated to complete a Euro step, you, you can say Russell Westbrook <laughs> misses a layup. He still misses a layup. That's what we know. Right. And we can call that out. So that's, that's our job. And, and that's what we get paid to do. So we'll, we'll happily do it. <laughs> that works for me. Well, Thank you very much, Jazz. Uh, make sure uh, you guys are listening to his show. He does all kinds, like the, what I do here, he has done over there in Philly uh, with the great team over there at Liberty Ballers. Um, it, where can everybody find you on social and on and on, on for the pod feed, all that good stuff? Yeah, we're, uh, I'm at Jazz Kang, J-A-S-K-A-N-G-21 on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, I don't really use as much, but I don't see why any sports fan would want to follow me unless you want to see pictures <laughs> of my nephew and me. Uh, but yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter there. And uh, we're at libertyballers.com. we got a ton of great writers. Paul Hudrick, who, who you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Anthony Jackson-Frank, uh, Steve Lipman. I can go down the line. Uh, a bunch of people contributing there. Dave Early, they all do a really good job with it. And you can catch us pretty much anywhere you get your podcast fix. As I say, pretty much every episode, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it. You can catch us there. So always appreciate uh, any new fans who want to tune in. And, and we have this Ben Simmons stuff covered wall to wall, and we'll be doing that hopefully until February 11th, like I said, which now I'm going to upgrade from a uh, beer to probably seven old fashioned. So I fall asleep a, a happy, happy man. Then. Oh yeah. It's just like my Tuesdays. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for hopping on. I can't wait to talk to you soon. All right. No problem. Anthony, anytime.